Khalashing for Khalas? Want to buy or find dine? Stay tuned to Chai FM on 101.9. Join Adrian Bagatti for Essen Fresen, Tuesday mornings from 11am, where it's all about the food. Good morning and happy Tuesday. Uh, not as warm as I'd like it, obviously, but it is spring, so we shouldn't complain. We've had some good weather and we've had some really good rain, so hopefully things are looking up all around. So last week we started on our cultural, uh, virtual um, food journey around the world, and this week is Iraq. And it was quite an interesting one to research. Um, so first let me tell you how I do this. I have got a hundred and something countries listed um, in a wheel um, that is used to do random draws. Um, after the show each week, I just press my button and it spins off for the next one, giving me a week to prepare. However, if you would like to nominate a specific country for me to have a look at the culinary um, expertise there or there's a favorite food from there or a traditional food from there that you really would like us to highlight, please let me know. You can do that on an SMS, 34519. SMSs are charged at 1 Rand 50. You can send a telegram, 061-895-1019, or you can call the studio live on 010-140-3020. So let us know if there's a country you specifically want. So it was quite interesting to find out about um, Iraq and what it, you know, its history, especially as it pertains to us as Jews, um, for li- those living, you know, who are listening. Um, and the first thing was it was the original Mesopotamia. Now, we all know Mesopotamia from history um, and learning at school. And that it. It is also known as Babylonia and for people who... Uh, who have read their Bibles or know their Bibles really well, the Tower of Babel, which is a story I think every child has ever learned. Um, that is where it occurred. So there has actually been a Jewish community of one kind or another in Iraq since 586 BC. So that's, a, a you know, a, we've been around a long time in, unfortunately, in Iraq those numbers are no longer. But during the time of the Ottoman Empire, the Jewish community, first of all, thrived there and were wealthy and productive. And they had the population there was more than was 40 percent of the entire Iraqi population. So that was a, quite a big community there. In fact, their first finance minister in 1920 was a Jewish man called Sassoon Eskel. Um, and he he became their minister of finance. Now, when I was doing my research, apparently there are only four Jews left in Iraq. And um, some from research, it appears that you cannot go, even though there, there is a shul, it is locked. You aren't free to go daven there at all. So um, only four Jews left and they pray at home. You're listening to Adrian Bugatti. Whether you are halishing for halas or wanting to bry or fine dine, this is Essen Fressen with Adrian Bagatti. It's all about the food.
We're talking a little bit before I get into the food of Iraq. We're talking about the history. And as I said, there are apparently four Jews left in um, Iraq. Uh, this is according to a news channel called France 24. Um, and it was an article written in 2021. So the, the exodus of the Jews from Iraq started with the Iraqi pogroms in 1948 and by 1951 96% of the Jewish community had made it out of the country mostly to Israel but into Europe itself as well so while researching the traditional foods of Iraq it was amazing to note how many foods are still part of Jewish life today as well as showing up in foods of other countries so there's a lot of these foods where there is a discussion about where they originate because you will find them everywhere from Greece to Hungary, Turkey, all of the Middle East has very similar um, foods and they just, there's a discussion on who did the original, which was quite a, quite a thing. So the, the food that I decided to, to make or to give it a try is more commonly associated with Greece. However, it is an Iraqi dish and apparently dates back quite far um, into the early sort of like 1500s type area. And the thing is called dolmas. Now, we'll know the, the word more commonly as dolmidas. And the difference is that it's in, like, say, Greece, where it's Dolmidas, it's made with lamb, and here it is made with beef mince. So some of the other recipes, and I had a hard time choosing which one to go with. Obviously, I landed up choosing one of the um, more complicated recipes, so you will see that just now, and the recipe will be available. I've also adapted the Dolmas to make it slightly more budget friendly because it does ask for some ingredients that are extremely um, expensive and if you're kosher they're even harder to find so the first other like alternative that I had a look at was something called sphere and that is a flat bread topped with lamb mince tomatoes spices and pine nuts it's actually almost like a pizza just without the, the tomato base and the cheese it had chopped tomatoes rather than, you know, tomato paste or tomato sauce put onto it. Then there was tabule, which a lot of us know. It's a salad. It often shows up in different versions in all Middle Eastern cuisine and especially Israeli food. Falafel needs no explanation. So we all know it. And there is, once again, like I said, some controversy and some discussion about where this dish originates. So two theories. The first is that a thousand years ago, the Egyptian Copts brought it to the Middle East. The other opinion is that it dates back to the 6th century in India. India. So there is the discussion, where did it come from? But in Iraq, it served not, it served slightly different. It's not inside a pitta. They do a Pitta-style bread, but not one you can open up to make into a pocket, and it's shaped like a diamond. And it's sourced, it's, it's made with something called umber sauce. And the umber sauce is made from cumin, sumac, cane pepper, and fenugreek. 
So um, it wouldn't be your hummus and tahina, your normal falafel. Then there's another thing called kuba. It is an Iraqi version of one that we've heard of called kibeh. And it is a combination of mince and minced rice. So they've taken minced meat and they've then taken rice. They've minced the whole lot together and then they've stuffed it into a bulgur wheat shell that's, and made it into like dumplings. And then they either deep fry it or just boil it up. I think I like the sound of the deep fried one better. But when I looked up how to make the bulgur wheat uh, shells for these dumplings, I changed my mind about the recipe because it sounded so interesting. And then I just, it's more work than I'm prepared to do even. Then obviously kebabs. We all know kebabs. Kebabs are usually made lamb if you're Greek. But here they are made with mincemeat from beef, chicken or lamb and even goat. So it's all combined. You know, each one is different and depending on where you are. Then another one that they make is a grilled fish. And that is seasoned with spices like tamarind, turmeric, salt, olive oil. And then you bake it very low actually upright so vertically on a stick and the heat just rises so it needs to be done over an open flame obviously um, and that would be how this one is made from you know the 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 fish then remains very soft and succulent but the outer layer gets quite crispy and the textures and the flavors are infused into the the fish the next one was called a kuzi spelled Q-U-Z-I, and that is stuffed whole lamb, a very traditional dish of Iraq. It is a roasted lamb dish stuffed with vegetables, nuts, and rice. And the write-up I read about it, the lady's thing says, it will take your breath away. And it's obviously done over charcoal, so it's an open fire cooking, which gives it a smoky flavor, and she said it was amazing. The next dish is something called tasharib. And that basically translated means soak. And what it does is it comes from steeping flatbreads in the broth of soup. So where um, I know my husband tells the story of um, his brother used to break up the challah and put it into the soup. So, Or a cousin of his, should I say, would break up the, the challah, put it into the soup and let the, the challah soak up all the soup and then she would say she's done eating her soup. Well, here what they've done is they've actually turned it into a proper meal and it's taken flatbread that they break up and they put that into the soup. It soaks up whichever soup you make and you eat the bread as, as the meal. And I must admit that sounds like such an amazing comfort food on a cold winter night. You know, a light meal. So that should be nice. And you are listening to Adrian Bugatti. Um, we're talking about traditional cuisine of Iraq. Whether you are halishing for halas or wanting to braai or fine dine, this is Essen Fressen with Adrian Bugatti. It's all about the food. Right. So we were talking about a delicious way to eat your bread uh, where it's soaked in soup. Um, and I think that would be amazing on a cold, rainy day. Then there's something called uh, maklama, 
And that is a lamb minced with tomato sauce and eggs. So it's kind of a version of shakshuka. Just the tomato sauce is not quite as heavy or as much of it. And the eggs were just like a almost, um, you know, soaked in as if you would do your shakshuka eggs. So I think that's their version just with meat instead. Then another one, which is a nice one, um, is called Margat Bamiya. It's okra, lamb and tomatoes. Now, one of the things that I was looking at in okra, we can get it here in South Africa. I've had it before. I must admit, not one of my favorite vegetables. It does turn a bit slimy occasionally. Um, so when you're cooking it, make sure that it's like well incorporated into your food. Otherwise, it's really unpleasant. But it does have a nice flavor to it. So you will find okra. It's these tiny little green sort of they look like misshapen baby marrows. If that's the way I can describe it. You can get them red. But when you cook the red ones, they turn green. So you might as well get the green ones um, because the only reason to buy red would be as some kind of decor in your food. Then there was another one called Sorbat Romam. And that is a pomegranate stew. And what they've done is it's the pomegranates which add the sweetness to your savory stew because the stew is also made with split peas and mint. So it's an interesting combination, the pomegranates and the mint. I think it would be really delicious to try. But to get, you know, to stand there and to de-seed your pomegranates or to buy your pomegranate seeds already done would be quite uh, costly. So it would be, and then lamb as well. So you would need to think of how to do that. Then makluba, it's called an upside down rice cake. And it's made with lamb, rice, and fried vegetables. There are other variations using eggplant, potato, or cauliflower. And basically, you take a pot, you put your vegetables in layers, and top it with the rice. You boil it until the rice is, like, solid, um, that it's absorbed everything, and it's going to hold its shape when you tip it out and you have your upside-down cake. Then there was another one. So all of these recipes were just looking so good. It was hard to choose, I have to tell you. Bagila Bildihin, and that is eggs on beans. It's literally our version, uh, their version of eggs on toast and beans on toast. And it was like a roughly scrambled egg on broad beans that have been soaked and cooked. And it's served with a toasted flatbread. So it's not on toast, but it is flatbread. Kanafe. These are very sweet ingredients. It's not a dessert, but it's definitely a more sweet meal. It is spun pastry, but the pastry kind of looked to me um, like spaghetti or vermicelli noodles um, that they'd used instead of like using pastry. And it is a sweet dessert with syrup and a layer of cheese. I didn't go into detail to have a look how it was made because just looking at it made me think it's more work than I want. Then there's something called, then we got two desserts. There's klecha, which is an Iraqi date cookie. And what that is, is it's a mini Swiss roll. But instead of using cream as your filling, you're using date jam. And instead of rolling it in like your sugar, you would roll it in um, some sesame seeds. So it gave like a different um like a different taste 
but it looks quite easy to make if you like dates. And that was a really, really interesting recipe to look at. I would love to hear from you if you have any history regarding Iraq or if you've got any suggestions on what country to do next. Um, that would be amazing. Any recipes that you'd love to share with us. You can send an SMS to 34519. SMSs are charged at 1 Rand 50. You can send a telegram on 061-895-1019. And you can also call the studio live on 0101-403020. Let's get into this recipe because it is a long one and it is going to take a while. So we're going to start with the time. The first thing is the prep time is two hours. So I have to admit I've already started prepping because I think I'm going to make this one for Shabbos. It just looks like a beautiful recipe to do as a special meal. And when it takes four hours to cook, then you kind of know that it's going to need to be only served on special days. So it's two hours of prep time and three hours and 53 minutes of cooking time. Now, the recipe I'm sharing is going to be for eight people, and which was nice for me because finally I didn't have to either increase or decrease the amount of I'm cooking. So it is a kilo of lean beef mince. It is five and a half cups of rice, four teaspoons of salt, two teaspoons of black pepper, it is 150 mils of tomato paste. So um, what I did was I bought the tomato paste. I bought a 50-gram one and a, a 50 mil one and a 100 mil one. And it actually came out right. It is a three-quarters of a cup of pomegranate molasses. Now, if you don't have pomegranate molasses or it's, you know, very expensive and you're not likely to use it again, you can actually just replace that with a bit of lemon juice and sugar. Um, I would say the juice of two lemons to two teaspoons, and that's a quarter cup of pomegranate molasses. So you can substitute that. All of this will be available on the HiFM website afterwards, as well as Cooked Steps website. Four small onions or two medium onions. Then they want five to six small cloves of garlic, three red or orange bell peppers, and three quarters of a cup of olive oil. And that is your stuffing mixture. Let's have a look at how to do your stuffing. So preparing the stuffing, you're going to finely dice your onions, your peppers, and your garlic. You're going to wash your rice very well until the water runs clear and you drain it. The reason they want the water to run clear is that the rice is then not going to stick too much together. Mix all the other ingredients for the stuffing. So the meat, the rice, the vegetables, the garlic, tomato paste, the pomegranate molasses, the oil, the salt and pepper, and mix that all together. Please just remember to use your wet hands and to mix it very well until it's all combined. And then just put it aside so you can carry on for the next step. Our next step is to prepare the vegetables. We want four eggplants. Um, the eggplants we get here in Johannesburg or in South Africa are quite large. And those are the ones we want. If you're going to be using the smaller eggplants, 
then you do need to up, you need to have more than that. So it's a large eggplant would be for two people. So it's a half an eggplant per person. So we're going to use four eggplants. We're going to use three uh, baby marrows, four or five onions, and then it asks for five red peppers, small red peppers. Now, I did find some at Woolworths, the small peppers, but you can use one large one because you are going to be cutting it up. Then there are two to three bunches of Swiss chard, and they've asked for 40 grape leaves. And as I said, um, one of the problems with that is trying to find kosher grape leaves um, because grape leaves are usually sold in brine, so in salt water, and they are quite expensive to get 40. So I spoke to Sharon Lurie, of course, to get some advice and see what she does. And she says, well, when a recipe asks for the grape leaves, she uses baby spinach and then she overlaps the leaves. So that's one way to do it. And the other way is just to use extra Swiss chard. Now, Swiss chard is what we used to here call spinach, but it's not on the big stalks. And you are going to cut those big hard stalks out if you're going to use the Swiss chard. So not to worry about that. And then 30 mils of oil or, or it's about a third of a cup of oil just for the bottom of the pot before you start layering all your ingredients. So how do we prepare the vegetables? Well, the eggplant is cut into two similar sized pieces. And then when you use a very sharp Paring knife, so it's a short blade. You're going to put the eggplant on a cutting board slice sideways and you are going to score around the inside of the eggplant because you want to try and get the flesh out without damaging your, um, your skin. So that's an important thing. They want you to keep the skin and, uh, just get out the flesh. The next thing is to cut up the baby marrow. You use a sharp knife just to cut away the, the, the outside. Like, so you want to peel it, but you don't want to use a peeler because that'll take away too much of your eggplant. I mean, of your baby marrow. And you're going to cut this into three and also coring it the same as you would for your eggplant. The pepper, you're going to cut around the stem and remove it. And remove the seeds on the inside and any white parts. You want this whole as well. Um, so using a small pepper, it just looks better. But if you can't do that, then a whole red pepper will do fine. And then just cut it into longer pieces that you can sort of blanch to make them malleable and roll up. You are going to then cut the onion. You peel it, take the root out and core curve that out always core out the roots um, so that big center piece uh, piece this way you can easily separate everything um, you microwave your onions for one minute just to soften the layers but you can also boil it if you don't want to use your microwave wait it for it to cool and then carefully dislodge each layer and pump them up now before you stuff the swiss charge you obviously wash and check your leaves in a bowl of boiling water for 30 seconds. And what happens with this is it softens them enough so that you can stuff them. You're going to cut the very thick stems off and you want to cut the leaf, depending on the size, into about two or three pieces.
And this is why you can actually use um, the um, baby uh, spinach to make the wrap because you're going to overlap them. If you are going to use actual grape leaves that have been in salt water in brine, please remember to soak them for at least an hour just to get rid of the salt and then wash them a few times so that you can get rid of it. The one nice thing about using vine leaves is you can actually wring them out, but just do it very carefully by just squeezing to get rid of that excess water. So now we're going to stuff these vegetables. You're going to start by adding a quarter of uh, the olive oil into the bottom of the pan. And you're going to line the bottom with the, f- the flesh from the eggplant and the baby marrow that you carved out. And then you're going to stuff the rigid vegetables. So the eggplant um, skin, the zucchini and the peppers. And you're actually going to fill those three quarters of the way with the rice. Um, obviously, because it's going to expand, you don't want to fill it all the way. So it's kind of like a double stuffing. You're going to then stack the eggplant and zucchini together so that they sort of stay in the right place. You know, you're going to then stuff the onions and squeeze them into any empty spots. And finally, you're going to stuff the Swiss chard and the grape leaves and use them to fill any other spaces. So each item is going to be stuffed separately. You're going to roll the leaves and place a small amount in the middle of each leaf and fold it sideways and then, you know, wrap it up like a parcel. And you put it face down, like the folded side down into your dish or your pot so that it doesn't unravel and you can, you know, cook it that way. The next and the last part of this is the dolma. And um, the first thing you need is your cooking liquid. You want seven cups of water, five tablespoons of tomato paste, two tablespoons of a teaspoon, sorry, of salt, one and a half teaspoons of black pepper. That is to taste. Um, uh, one teaspoon will probably be enough unless you like that slight heat. Some pomegranate molasses. Once again, remember, you can use lemon juice and sugar to make the pomegranate molasses. And then a teaspoon of uh, citric acid. And citric acid, you can buy that anywhere. um, And it is kosher. You'll find kosher ones in your baking aisle that will have the Bethden stamp on. But if you don't have citric acid, you just use straightforward lemon juice And for the amount that they've asked here, you want about the juice of two to three lemons. So that'll be, you know, your your stuffing liquid. The next part is cooking the actual dolma. So we prepare the cooking liquid by mixing all the ingredients together. And you want to do it until the tomato paste has dissolved into liquid and it's not a paste anymore. If you need to use hot water, then do so. Um, It does make it a bit easier. Pour your liquid into the pot, ensuring it goes about halfway up through the top layer. Don't submerge the whole thing. So remember, you've got your wraps, your little parcels already in your dish face down. Place a flat plate on top of the pot to keep everything still. Cover the pot and bring it to boil on high heat 
for 15 minutes. Then obviously taste and adjust your liquid for seasoning, whether you're adding more salt or more lemon juice for the acid. After 15 minutes, you can remove the plate and give the pot a little bit of a jiggle so that the water will then go like all over to spread down below where it's been cooked off. And turn your heat down to a medium heat and cook for another 15 minutes. And then finally, you're going to turn the heat onto very low and you're going to cook it for an hour. After an hour, you want to make sure that the vegetables are all really soft and then take it off the heat and let it stand for 15 minutes. You're then going to flip it around on a metal tray with raised sides. And so if you don't have something, be very careful that you to spoon the dolma into a platter for serving. But if you've got a nice big enough tray, you're going to flip your dolma onto the tray by putting the tray on top of the pot, turning the thing over. Please be careful so that you don't burn yourself and have somebody there to grab it um, as soon as you flip it so it's not too hot. And enjoy. Uh, you're listening to Adrian Bugatti and we've been talking about Iraqi food. Whether you are halishing for halas or wanting to braai or fine dine, this is Essen Fresen with Adrian Bugatti. It's all about the food. Time of the day in this where we discuss new kosher updates from around the world. But you know what? There are so many kosher updates from South Africa that I'm not sure we're going to get a chance to look at the rest of the world. Before we get into that, please remember, if you've got any Iraqi history, we'd love to hear about it. If you've got any recipes from anywhere that you'd like to, uh, to share with us, please contact us. And if you can tell us which country you'd like us to try next, please contact us as well. You can do this by sending an SMS to 34519. SMSs are charged at 1 Rand 50. You can send a telegram on 061-895-1019 or you can call the studio on 010-140-3020. And time for kosher updates from around the world. So yesterday I got an update from the kosher desk and there is a ton of stuff that is on new and old and things that are just reminders. So the first thing is some new products. There's a thing called Race Food Far Bar. So I'm assuming it is a protein energy bar. It is now certified dairy with or without a Bethden logo. And the flavors are apple, pear and cinnamon, date and cranberry, salted apricot, banana and caramel. And then there's some additions to the Pepsi range. So over and above the Pepsi range that we all know is the Miranda, the Mountain Dew, your normal Pepsi and Pepsi Max original. The new lime, Pepsi Max lime and Pepsi Max vanilla are also kosher, as well as the Rockstar energy drink, the original only. New additions to the sweet market, caring candy with no added sugar have added some dairy um, sweets onto their list. There is white chocolate with banana crunch. There is white chocolate with sour cherry crunch. There is white chocolate with strawberry flavoring. There is white chocolate with licorice flavoring. And then there is plain white chocolate. Please remember these are all dairy. The next one is from True Food. They have added chickpea flour, polenta, and gluten-free oat flour. 
These are all kosher and parav and do not need a Beth Din logo. From the juice revolution, please do check the Beth Din website as some products are parav and some are dairy, but the product is kosher whether it has the Beth Din logo on or not. So it is advisable just to check it up. But the products that are on there are soups, kids' juices, and smoothies. Artisan ice lollies are also um, kosher, but just check which ones are dairy and which ones are parav. Please also remember that there are some products that contain grape. If they do contain grape, please note they are not kosher. Then we've all seen Kui beverages. Kui are now all kosher, even without a Bethden logo. So we have another flavor of cold drink to stick on our tables for the kids. Now Woolworths went all out and a ton of their products have just been certified. Let's go through those. We have quite a few. So they're sparkling flavored spring drinks. So it's like almost like sparkling water with or without a logo are ginger and lime, rose, lychee and ginger, coconut and pineapple and strawberry and milk mint. Then their um, soya milk, almond milk and oat milk, oat milk, sorry, are all parav, but they must have the Beth Den logo. Their sodas, which is called Cool Sparkling Drink, they are now kosher without a logo. There is raspberry, lemonade, lemonade sugar-free, ginger beer, and ginger beer sugar-free. Their passion fruit is also, and the passion fruit sugar-free. These are all kosher without a Beth Den logo. The Ayesha Chocachino Cafe Latte Flavored Full Cream Milk is obviously dairy, and it does not need a logo, and this applies to the 300ml and the 750ml bottles. The UHT Flavored Milk Carton are dairy without the Beth Den logo, and that is the chocolate flavor, vanilla, and strawberry flavors. So lots more to drink. The freshly squeezed juice that you can see on the shelves there, it does say freshly squeezed on it. These are parav. The flavors are orange, grapefruit, clem gold, mandarin, and now they've added pineapple. None of these need a logo. And now for the snacks. Onion rings. The salt and vinegar and the sweet onion rings, uh, streaky crackles, potato fries are all parav and don't need a logo. But the prawn cocktail mix and the corn bugles are dairy. So please just check the ingredients carefully as once again, they don't need a logo. The lentil chips, the sour cream and chives and the creamy cheddar are kosher dairy. The chickpea chips, the sweet chili is parav, and the sea salt and black pepper are dairy. The quinoa chips, the sea salt is parav, the barbecue is parav, the sea salt and black pepper is dairy. And continuing, oh, so much. Air popped popcorn bags, once again, please check ingredients as these do not need a logo, but some are dairy and some are parav. So the dairy ones are caramel coated, white cheddar, sour cream and chives, butter, 
the feta and black pepper are all dairy. The sea salt and the salt and vinegar are parav. Then from the sweets, the handcrafted salted caramels must have the logo. They are dairy. Fabulous fruity strings are parav only when ha- bearing the Bethden logo. The flavors are mixed berry, strawberry, mango, and raspberry. Then the chocolate enrobed peanut brittle is dairy and does not need a Bethden logo on it. Handcrafted fudge. I have to go try this one. Vanilla, the 165 gram is kosher without a logo. The chocolate, 165 gram is also kosher without a logo. Um, they are molchik, uh, but their soot cookie, uh, handcrafted fudge is obviously not kosher. And we'll continue that in a second. Whether you are chalashing for chalas or wanting to braai or fine dine, this is Essen Fressen with Adrian Bagatti. It's all about the food. Hi, and welcome back. As I said, we have so much from the Beth Den on their update list on all these amazing products that have now been added. Woolworths have gone out of their way to add some kosher products. So let's carry on with those. Then the coffee pods from Woolworths, all their different flavored coffee pods are power of no logo needed. So they don't need a Beth Den sign. Their salted butter and the butter portions. So they're little, little pa- individual packaging. No longer need a logo. And they are obviously because they milk dairy. And something I'm very excited about is the Airshow cultured low fat buttermilk. I always wanted to use, you know, the buttermilk is so rich and creamy and delicious when making bran muffins, but bran muffins are so, supposed to be healthy. So I wanted a lower fat version. And here we have it. Their cultured low-fat Baltimore is kosher and dairy and doesn't need a Beth Den stamp. And then they have also introduced their beetroot wraps, the package of 65, 6 by 45 gram uh, beetroot wraps are power of even without a Beth Den logo. And then some uh, awareness that needed to be brought to our attention Macro, their butternut soup, the canned ones, butternut soup and mushroom soup, uh, ratatouille and then the baked beans in garlic and herb are not kosher. They have been marked with a Beth Den stamp, but they are not certified at all. Then there are some products called Ma'im, um, and their products bear a Beth Den logo. However, they are not kosher and have never been, uh, not been certified. And the last link was one was Heinz Seriously Good Mayo is not kosher if it's been produced in Poland. Only the one that is produced in Holland falls under the Manchester Beth Den. Now, for those of you who accidentally bought, who found it on the shelves at Kosher World, this was obviously put on by accident. Easy mistake to make um, because it is an imported product. But please contact them if you did buy it in error. You do not need to kasha any KLM or anything like that. The, um, the product is fine. Um, it's just not kosher, but it doesn't affect your KLM. Now, what I'd really like to know is if anybody makes this huge long recipe that I've just read out besides me, I'd love to hear how it turned out. I'd love your feedback on it. And just to see, did you have fun making this huge big marathon recipe? 
And once again, a reminder that if you've got any tips or suggestions, if you've got any recipes you want to share, if there's any countries you want us to cover, please let us know. You can SMS 34519. Your SMSs are charged at 1 Rand 50. And on Telegram, 061-895-1019. Or you can call the studio 010-140-3020. You've been listening to the Essen Friends Show and I am Adrian Bugatti. Till next week.